Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. There's another conversation right here on the interview series. And once again, I'm catching up with Kesha. This is someone who puts an enormous amount of honesty and vulnerability into her music. It's hard to imagine that it's the same Kesha who kicked the door in with these huge kind of dystopian youthful party anthems back in the day. But wow, what a journey she's been on. A lot of it has been very traumatic and very challenging. And you can hear that in the new record and in this conversation right here with Kesha on the interview series. A couple of songs on this album made some grown straight men cry. So I always think when you get a grown, rich, white, straight man crying, you're doing something really right. It was almost like a rehabilitation process with Rick Rubin. It was like going to pop star rehab. Yeah, no shit. Because the last (laughs) time we spoke, right, lest I remind you, um, you had an album out that started with a line that says, tonight's the best night of our lives. Can you feel it? God, can you, like the fucking <laughs> divine comedy, the timing of that is like, yeah. I mean, you got to laugh at shit, right? Well, I think what you got to do is you got you to be kind to yourself. You got to take a look at yourself in that moment in 2020. And, and, and you said it all in the album title. You're like, I'm, I'm trying to take the high road here. Yeah. And at that time, you kind of have to, like, look back at yourselves and have compassion, I guess. You do. But it's not that I... I still love that album. I think standing alone, minus the timing of everything, I have fun, like, listening to Kinky featuring my old self. Like, that's funny. It's a great album. We had a great time talking about it. And and I recognized that you were trying to manifest a process to get through struggle and trauma it's like that album was willing you out and that's why when i heard this album i was like so it dragged you back in you had to do the real work well yeah and that album i think when i was making it i've never i haven't told anybody this but i had this like really strange feeling the entire time i was making high road Mm. i was like i don't know really why but this is just something's gonna happen i didn't know what it was yeah but so I was just like, I'm just going to like try to reclaim my joy. Yeah. Yeah. And then when the world stopped and we're all left alone in our heads, like you said, I had to like, okay, like I'm going to. None of us could run at that point. Uh, No, there's nowhere to run to anyways. You can also run and there you are. That's when I started therapy again. You know, that's when I realized like, damn, those distractions aren't working. I got, I had to stop. And I think. You know, and, and it was also, not to turn this into a quarantine conversation, but I, I, I'm actually here for it because I think we were all like, we came out of there to some degree and we're like, let's just not even talk about it. It's like, that's not healthy. Um, you know, there was so much trauma and tragedy wrapped up into all that. So, yeah, we're dealing with our own in- internal selves, trying to figure out how to grow whilst we're constantly having to acknowledge and empathize with people who in many respects are going through unimaginable sadness absolutely like i don't even like not i always have to think like what i've gone through is nothing compared to what a lot of people have gone through in the past what are we as human beings if we don't have the context of our own experience and i think that we have to also talk about being kind to yourself like i think you can be both i think you can be self-aware and externally aware at the same time Totally. And like you're allowed to be affected by the things that affect you and also understand that there are people that are affected by very different, more intense things. And like both can be true. Both can be true. Was there ever a moment when you were deep in your process, whatever shape that took, where you weren't sure if there was music that could come out of this because it was maybe it was too close to write about or it just wasn't presenting itself as a solution like it had before. Well, I had, like, ever since I was little, like 10 years old, I just, it was almost like a coping mechanism. It's not almost one. It's a coping mechanism, writing a song about something. So I'd go through a breakup and be like, well, fuck being heartbroken. I'm going to make a song out of it. And then there's something positive that comes out of this Mm. shitty feeling. Mm. So I went through my life writing songs and like trying to find humor and levity in the emotions that just become unbearable. And I don't know if that's just me, who I am. I'm too sensitive. It's too much. Like, am I just too much? I don't know. But 
when I get an emotion, it's like, it's not a wave. It's a fucking tidal wave. Mm. So for me to just sit in that, it becomes unbearable. So I have to take it and make a song out of it. It's just the way I cope with life. That's my mechanism. So then something comes out of it. Even if nobody hears it, even if the song is shit, whatever. At least I did something with it instead yeah. of just sitting around feeling sorry for myself. That's actually, actually almost the best position to execute is, is to be okay not executing and just doing it for you. Like I asked Dolly Parton, she's like, oh, I can't walk past a guitar without strumming it or touching mm -hmm. it in the house. And I was like, do you ever, does it ever draw you back after you've taken two steps past it and say, no, 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 that's not enough today. You got to write. You got to write me, write with me. Yeah. And she's like, all the time. I said, do we hear every one of those songs? She's like, absolutely not. No. Oh my God. It's like when things leak, I don't actually care that much except for when it's a bad song. Because I'm like, just let me bury the fucking bodies, please. You're not meant to see this. You're not meant to hear it. And like, nobody is. And I wish it didn't exist. But so just like, let it die. So not to be morbid about this, because we're a long way from this reality. But at some point, your estate will belong to somebody else. Needless to say, you would have wrapped that up and ensured that those bodies are buried from a songwriting point of view. Oh, yeah. No, I've like already talked to my brother about it. Because yeah. I was like, if I sound like shit... If you put it out, I'm going to fucking haunt your ass. And I'm so serious. Since I've seen you last, I like, <laughs> I went through this crazy psychedelic, like spiritual experience in the midst of the anxiety. Unaided as well, right? You weren't on anything. This wasn't an ayahuasca trip. This was no. pure meditation. It was med Well, it was pure anxiety. I think it was pure, like my brain like felt like, I thought maybe it was the process of having like a psychotic break or something. Mm -hmm. But then once I just started leaning into it, so I was like, well, it's happening. So what am I going to do about it? So I had this full like psychedelic kind of trip sober. And that's what eat the acid is written about. Mm. Um, but after that, I just really started leaning into, I'm a triple Pisces. I love weird unexplainable spiritual supernatural stuff so after this happened to me i went down like a total like it's my rabbit hole i'm currently in is just the paranormal like and also different spirituality like different things people believe in i'm just trying to read about it because i feel like we're all talking about a similar thing you know, you, you, you did something in my life once, which I'll never forget, which I thought was really, actually really touching. Like you texted me during quarantine and said, hey, you got a minute. And of course I called you. And you're like, I just had a dream last night. You were in it. I just want to make sure everything's cool. It's not that it was a bad dream. It's just that if someone enters into my subconscious state, I'd like to check on them and make sure they're okay. Now, what's really interesting about that was, you know, we had a quick conversation. I reassured you. We went back to life. It was cool. I hung up and the kind of person I am, I spent like a couple of minutes going, where are the kids? Are they cool? Okay. Where's Kara? She, my wife, is she cool? Check on my dad, check on my mom. Did that thing because that, that really sweet, very nice gesture tapped into my spirituality in a way. But then when I came out of that checking process, I actually learned something from that, which is that um, it doesn't have to be a concerning thought. It can just be a nice thought. And it really reset how I kind of default position went into like, why is Kesha checking in on me? Like, what's going on? Do I not know something? Like, what's happening? And it was so sweet. And, it, and, and, I've, and I've really tried to practice that ever since because it was, such a, it was just such a genuine outreach. It was just a really yeah. cool thing. Well, I just, when people pop in there, I always like to like, it's, I always take everything as a sign, which is maybe why I felt like I was having a psychotic break. That must be intense if everything's a sign. Like, that's almost like your, it's almost like your hearing aid has turned up to oversensitive. Uh, yeah. And like, especially in the silence of the past few years. Yeah. And like, readdressing my life. And, you know, there's a lot I can't talk about. We don't have to. Yeah. But like, litigation's ongoing. Yeah. And just let um, that fucking thing happen, right? Because that's in someone, that's in everyone else's hands. Yeah. But so there's a lot of 
things we all go through. Like, I know what mine are. I don't know what yours are. But so when I think of someone, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad or good thing unless you, like, died in my dream, which I don't believe was the case. I don't think so. <laughs> and I, if I, you did, I don't think I would have told you. I don't so. think you would have. And also, your dream's a little early. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I just always am like, oh, the universe wants me to, like, my energy thought of... You for some it reason. It was really cool. I yeah. loved it. It was really cool. And um, especially a time when people weren't reaching out to anybody. We didn't know how to communicate with each other at that point. Do we anymore still? Mm, because I hope so. I sometimes feel like my social graces have gotten a little rusty. Can you, can you can you give me a playful example of one of those situations? A playful example. Like, I just, when people start doing small talk, I start telling them about my, like, psychedelic experience. And then they're just like, I just wanted to ride the elevator with you. And yep. it's just impossible now. I'm like, full blown. I once cleared a party in seven minutes when I played Porter's Head's third album. Oh, my God. At one o'clock in the morning <laughs> when everyone was just settling in to drink champagne, have beers, and get through to the sunrise. And I was like, listen to this. <laughs> and it was like, oh, we should go. So I'm fully with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm not actually built for social graces, period. But, like, this is also the, the question my mind is, is like, how do you act normal? Like, what does that mean? I don't think of you as normal. Wow. Well, that's good because, well, I mean, it's good and it's not good. I wish at some point in my life someone would think I was like kind of normal, but I think I'm too far gone. I don't think that. I, I think there's a difference between being too far gone and being abnormal. I, I, I just think that from what I hear of your music and the more I get to know you, Here's the great thing, because I'm I'm a lot more mature than you. And here's the great thing that maturity brings, if I may just patronize you please, for one quick second. Please, please. Here's what, here's what maturity brings you, is it just brings you a sense of um, fulfillment with all of the abnormalities that you have going on around you. You know, as long as you keep doing the work and figure out how to keep the ones that are out of control in check and get rid of the ones that no longer serve you, eventually you're left with just the refined f fucking weirdness. And the mm. refined weirdness is awesome. Like, I'm a weird person, too. I mean, you seem a bit weird, but you, like, really also seem to hold it together. It's called maturity. It's just understanding that the weird is the weird, you know? And, like, that's when I hear, like, this album. I just feel like you've gone into the weird, acknowledged the weird, and said, this is actually totally fine. Whatever the rabbit hole, as you call it, is. I'm in it. It's cool. I'll come out of it. I'll learn from it. I'll move on. Yeah. Good. I'm happy it like comes across as that because, like I said at the beginning, I was like gorilla trained. Wait, I seem a little weird. Yeah, you're weird. I was just double checking. Ooh, I heard that. Look right. at you. <laughs> 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 no, you're brilliant. But also, with that comes like weird, weird, I'm weird. and yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a gag. Um, it was, a, it was a thing. It was a play, uh, a bit. Um, yeah. But I do, I do think there's a song on the album called Fine Line. Sounds like an Alice in Chains song now. Sounds like a grunge song. Really? Like, oh, it started yeah. full country. But no, that started like major chords. Yeah. There's a fine line I've been walking. Oh. Like very. Like almost sort of a positive take on a destructive situation. Yeah. Which I guess my process with working with Rick, who I'm sure you know. Love him. But he kind of took all my, I tend to write everything on major chords, mm. which I think is probably my underlying problem of trying to make something positive out of everything. And then he puts the chords that actually match the lyrics. Yeah. Because the lyrics, he was like, this is a really dark song. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, a Dolly Parton song. Yeah. But you've been doing that from day one. You talked about the humor that people get got addicted to in the early songs and the playfulness and the fun. But... Um, and maybe we talked about this in the past, but if you go back and listen to those early albums, and they are sad albums. I mean, you are at a party, but I'm not sure you're happy at that party. No. I think it was, I mean, some of the parties I was having a great time at at that point, mm -hmm. for sure, being like a 20-year-old romping around. Mm -hmm. So the caricature 
of myself that has been formed was absolutely parts of me, but it wasn't entirely like, I always wanted to show this other side of myself that I get to show on this album. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason, I haven't always got to show all sides of myself. Yeah. And then it became dangerous in my mind for me to show that side because the happy, fun, party starting, positive, dance, glitter girl, she was so loved. We like that. We want you to, we, you're awesome. And you're like, <laughs> but I'm not sure that's accurate on an identity level. Yes. Yeah. And that's like a, it's a hard thing when. Oh, it's brutal. People love a side of you that you also love, but then you feel like you're not being seen. I feel like we all want to be seen. I think, I think to bring it into an environment which everyone can relate to and to preserve the integrity of your approach to this conversation, I respect it. You're walking a fine line. I'm walking the fucking finest fucking line. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's exhausting. The song lyrics are so honest. Yeah, they are. And I think uh, you put it through the music. That's where you've chosen to live at this point. But bringing it back to the idea of what is effectively identity theft. And I'm not saying any one person stole it. I'm saying we all contributed to it as fans. And you let it happen or didn't let it happen. And it's just a big thrashy fucking mess, right? It's tough. Just no matter what happens, whether it ends or begins in litigation or not, it's exhausting trying to snatch that back, take that back. It's hard. I've seen it over and over again with artists. It's really hard. So not just me. No. But especially like, you know, ACDC. You want an ACDC album? Yeah, but they like their identity. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in the They're very, very happy being ACDC. In fact, I will go as far as to say that ACDC found the perfect formula and then just were like, fucking hell. Who'd, who'd have thought that? Who'd have thought you'd have, we'd have found this in Australia? Look, it's just it's like it's like someone was just like this is the this is eternal youth, you know. I mean, it works. Fucking hell, mate! Perfect. There's something perfect about that knowing being a constant. Yeah, is very comfortable. So when yeah. people you listen to change drastically, yeah, I think it can be uncomfortable for everybody and it's not necessarily like i have no idea if people are gonna like it or even listen to my new album yeah, but it doesn't matter because you crack the code and the code is that the album exists within its own identity it it now has an identity i keep saying this is such a good line and this will bring us to a nice anecdote i'd love to get more detail from you because you touched on it in a recent interview but when i spoke to neil young and there was this encouragement for us to talk about harvest and he was open to one or two questions and i was a bit reluctant because i know neil enough to know this is his idea of a bad time mm-hmm. But he's like, oh, okay. So, we're, so I'm like, oh, okay. So we started in this thing. And toward the end of it, he was just like, look, man. That guy's around. That guy is around. And he's loving that album. And he's just back there in this loop, having a great time, making that record. Just That Neil is just, fuck, he's uh, so happy making Harvest. Yeah. But there's been a lot of me. There's a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are going on in this life. Yes, many chapters. Many chapters, many identities. That's the point, right? Well, and I wonder, because I've been so far, living so far up my own anal cavity, (laughs) that I don't actually know if other people, like when you see photos of yourself on like whatever, social media or your phone, do you ever look back at periods of your life and be like, yikes. Yeah. Delete. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. want to look at this right now. Yeah. Because as much fun as I maybe was having yeah. in the moment, I'm making myself. I'm giving myself idiot shivers. Yeah, but guess what? That idiot back there is having a great time and still lives there. Yeah. No, I love her. Have the best time. Like, see you later. <laughs> you do you. I feel like it's my little sister. See, that's a nice. That's a nice feeling because it brings a nurturing into the judgment of judging yourself. Yeah. I, I had to do a lot of therapy to get past that. You know, I would, I would just the same. I'd be like, uh, you know, the shit I used to, the shit that used to come out of my mouth, like fucking hell, the bullshit I used to say to tell myself that I, you know, I was this, this and that. And it, it's, 
Yeah, self-awareness is one of the hardest tricks to learn. It's really tough. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And like, there's a part of me, there's a line and fine line that's like, there's a fine line between happy and stupid as fuck. <laughs> and I sometimes miss the stupidity. I miss it. I know. And I, I feel for you because you've really been, the last two albums in particular have, I think, I, f I feel the, the, how, how tough it is for you as a human being to try to get back to just simply stupid. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of like, you know, the last, before Gag Order. Yeah. I like really wanted to reclaim my joy. And there were definitely like surface elements of doing that. But unfortunately, I find that I had to really go into the head mm. and go to all the places, the deep, dark corners mm. and deal with the shit. Yeah. Before I can have any semblance of true. Yeah true joy and true happiness like i said you saw it coming the high road is a fool's path really it's a fall i mean it's i a, thought it, maybe it, like if i just you know power of positive thought i'm also really into manifesting so same, I was like, same same but to say i'm taking the high road by its very nature is to suggest that i understand that there is a darker place that some exists somewhere and i choose to ignore it yeah. and that's really what the term to me at least means and so that album to me is like the step before you know, are, you, are we are we gonna are we gonna go there? And I think getting to this now, this this relationship with someone like Rick, who um, has this innate ability to identify within and around the songs what's really going on, and then creates a safe place for artists to be able to let it out away from that sort of um, identity, like that thing of like, oh, this is what people want, or this is what I should do. He's like, oh, who gives a fuck? Yeah, that was a trip working with someone. It's the first time in life, including with my mom, because like she's been a songwriter yeah. forever. So like, it was the first time in my life I sat with someone. And they were like, "Let's just make what we both think is cool." There, you're not being a vehicle for something that you will please others with, and like get paid admiration, etc. The whole process with Rick that blew my mind was being present mm. in how I feel and making it come out into the song in a way that felt like it's reflective of the feeling, a sound that reflects a feeling. And I just had never made art for that purpose before. Like subconsciously, you know, like I didn't really know in making these songs with Rick, we never once talked about singles, radio, any of it. It was just, we're making a song about how you feel. And that like still kind of blows my mind because the entirety of my life, it was always, there was this illusion of what it was for. And I, Working with Rick has now made me fall in love with music again because yeah. I remembered yeah. why we all love it and why I loved it. You know, I remember you talking about the relationship you had with your mom as, a song, as songwriters as well as as mother and daughter and you describing the, the, the form of tough love that she would, she would exercise in terms of hearing your songs and whatever and how important that was to helping you shape songwriter. Yeah. I, I remember that right, right. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. But she's also no bullshit human. Yeah, very no bullshit, yes. And so that was the tough love. Only a mother can exercise that muscle. Yeah. Rick was doing the same thing. He's just doing it from a different place. Right. He's doing it from a place that I think she had been like guerrilla trained in writing songs because she was a staffed songwriter. Yeah. So I think coming at it from this place of like, it's not for anyone else it was so weird. I'm actually like walking through this in parallel in like my therapy too, where it's like, if it's not for anyone else, like you do it for yourself to make yourself happy and for your insides. Are you at a place now with all, with all this going on where 
you're starting to see the poetry in all of it, even the struggle. And I'm not trying to be glib because I know it's been a struggle and continues to be a struggle. Um, sick of walking the fine line. That fine, that, that fine line. That's a very important word. Let me get that right. Sick of walking that fine line. It's jumping out off this iPad right in front of me here. But I think true growth comes from acknowledging that it's complicated and the growth may not always be from a natural, normal, fun experience. It's going to come from trauma as well. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, when I look back at the whole thing, I oftentimes think, like, I believe I have to. I don't know. I believe there's many lives. So mm-hmm. I came down here to learn, I guess. So I'm learning a lot. <laughs> And I do, like, that's why I kind of take everything as a mm. as a sign from the universe. So, like, if I dream about somebody, I text, like, it's because I do feel like I'm in this cosmic dance, this divine comedy. And, like, I'm just, I have to just be here for the ride and, like, kind of see what's going to happen. I've realized that you have to have, like, good boundaries is something I've learned recently. Mm. But yeah, I'm like, I'm here for the ride and I'm just trying to hold on tight. Boundaries are crucial. And I think as kids, we're sort of told our boundaries exist within the lines of personal and physical safety. Don't go there. Don't touch that. Careful. Da, da, da. Which is sort of understandable being a parent. I get it. I've done it. And you, there's no avoiding it. Or maybe there is. I actually have one parental friend of mine who's like, they'll figure it out. <laughs> and I'm like, they're running along an open pool. <laughs> you know, they'll figure it out. Don't but worry about it. that's the thing. When you see something like that, it's like, trust the universe. Trust the process. Like, right. no, make sure your kid doesn't fall in the pool. But this is the, this is the conflict I'm getting at that I feel has existed within you to some degree is that you are someone who is attracted to spirituality and a desire to want to let go. And yet you've found yourself in some of the most controlling environments of an artist or a human that I've had conversations with, you know? Yeah, and I think a lot of that, it's really weird through having this conversation because I had a really, in, really intense therapy session yesterday about this. Um, how do I put this in a way that I can? Um, to trust and be trusting is a very child childlike quality. And I sample my niece on the album mm. later on in the in the album to mm. refer, to make reference to how beautiful it is when you can live in your childlike self. Like that's such a goal. And it's not always safe to just blindly trust. That's why I have a problem with faith sometimes. Because I don't think you like can survive off of pure faith and trust. And I think that goes back to because I think people are good, but people are bad. So you have to protect yourself and have those boundaries and i don't really remember what your question was <laughs> but really because you answered it perfectly oh, okay <laughs> i was just like going down the pathway of by the way i have no questions <laughs> okay uh, are you pulling a rick rubin <laughs> i'm just trying to stay right here i'm just trying to stay right here did any of that make sense yes okay it did make sense but where it becomes really interesting is um, people and, and a person are very different things. And um, yeah. I don't want you to, to, I hope this isn't sort of me overstepping the mark, but how is this process affecting your ability to maintain a relationship? And it doesn't have to be overly personal, romantic or anything, just a singular relationship, because that to me is where trust is at its absolute most important. Yeah, it's definitely hard. I'm not going to lie. I have people that I trust implicitly. Like, 
so much in my life. So I'm very lucky for that. Um, but I have a harder time in romantic relationships fully yeah. trusting. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. And yeah, it's something I work on. Like that's why I'm constantly working on myself is because it's not all, it's selfishly I'd like to um, be happy. Which Get is, past that. Well, and I want to be happy, which the last song on the album is called Happy. And that's kind of where about, I was going. <laughs> it's about just that. Like I want to be happy. I want to let go. I want to be free. I want to trust the process, trust the universe, all of those things. And... I do feel like I cannot just remain in my childlike self. So there's an element of having to grow up. Mm. And I feel like this album completely documents the time where I was like, okay, I have to like, I have to deal with some shit and I just need to walk through it. And it's going to be really uncomfortable. And I feel like it's really helped me grow into a woman. Um, and it's, you know, you hear it all on the album. You kind of hear it start to finish. Like going through these stages of emotions that I never let myself go through before. I'm the girl that wrote, we are who we are. Love yourself. Okay, TikTok, we're having fun. Warrior, I'm such a warrior. And at those moments in time, I did feel... The invincibility of youth. Fuck me. <laughs> youth is wasted on the young. I say that. It's only old people can say that, so careful, because you're not there yet. But I can definitely say it, and it's funny, you know, it's so true. You just have this sense of, like, anything and everything is possible and should be. Absolutely. I, that, like, that bravado. I would kill to have that bravado back. Fuck me. Like, yeah, but confidence. To, but to trade that for true knowledge of self, I think it's a fair trade, is it not? I just want like a weekend being 20 years old again. Just a weekend. I don't want to live there. But it sounds like a nice fucking vacation, honestly. <laughs> but no, I actually like, in all honesty, yeah. and never in a million years that I think I'd be sitting here talking to you about the fact that I just spent three years making an album with the greatest living music producer on the planet because he hears it kesha he hears it he understands i can speak for him I'm, i would never dream but in this case i can he hears it he, uh, he wouldn't show up if he didn't and he doesn't have to and so when i hear that when i put this album on i was like i was like oh like I immediately thought of the moments of what you were going through before the songs came. And I was like, hard work, a lot of emotion, a lot of like rah, rage and just trying to figure it out. And thank goodness Rick was there because I, because he's so present. I know. That he's just letting that happen. A lot of people would be like, what do I do? How do I control this? It was so nice. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to get fired? No, oh. I'm going to get fired. I can't control. Oh, the label's going to call. How's it going? I'm going to be like, she's doing the homework. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dance outside, crying uncontrollably. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. She's singing a three-minute song about wanting to be a house cat. Yeah. What do we do? What do we do? I'm freaking out, you know. She wants to put Ram Dass on the record. I don't even fucking know who Ram Dass is. Right, I mean... I, know who I don't is. know if Ramdas is gonna like bang out those hits, but you know what? I fucking believe in Ramdas, and I don't give a fuck anymore. Well, I think I, I think that's a, that's our that's our right is to is to find the people that apply to our puzzle and to believe in them and allow them to guide us, right? I I take absolute power. This is a weird thing to admit. Yeah, please. I totally take empowerment out of Chino Moreno from Deftones. I oh, listen to God. that band. I thought you were talking about the shoes. Okay, go on, go on. I listen to the band and I don't just hear riffs and energy and, and all that stuff. I, he puts me back together. He knows, as I've told him. He puts me back together. He's my Ram Dass at times. Really? Right? Yeah, fuck yeah. And so it's like, we choose who is going to be a part of our story. When I feel like we all have these weird life experiences, like yeah. your life is weird. Yeah. My life is also you weird, keep saying that. different cool. and weird. No, but everybody's is. Like yeah, if you sat down with anybody, everybody has their own story. Sure, it's a meme. But all those perspectives can like help each other because I feel like in the reason music is so 
important is because it connects us, even though we're so different. Totally. And I feel like we spend so much time on these different social media app, like all this stuff, trying to connect and like to the point where it gets addictive because I feel like, and I could be wrong, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I feel so alone in here that when I hear someone else say something that really connects to how I'm feeling, yeah. it makes me believe in God. Like I am not alone and we're all being held together and yeah, I don't know. It's just like a beautiful connective tissue that is very spiritual. I want to talk about a song called Only Love Can Save Us Now. Yeah. The title itself is one of the most kind of, talk about manifestation. That That's manifestation on a mass scale. Yeah. It's a big statement. It's a beautiful statement. It deserves to be mass marketed for the end of time. Um, what was the honest headspace you were in when you started to put put this piece of music together that song I actually was having like the best time ever that day <laughs> we were at shangri-la in the chapel which if nobody is aware there's a video of me touring shangri-la at some point before i did a rick interview years ago it is like the mount olympus of music it really is it is like the first time i went there i just like was like sobbing because it was so it's so unbelievable when you when you make it to like, Shangri-La. I get to create here? Like It's like pilgrimage to the motherland. You hear that? That's the ocean. <laughs> and then you hear that? It's Neil Young playing guitar. I know. I know. I mean, last time I went up there, I was with Rick and Neil on the lawn in the rain having a conversation. My God. Just like... Fuck you. Yeah, the greatest of all time. <laughs> The greatest like <laughs> moment in the rain, but you can imagine how what that was like too. Trying to coax those two into a conversation about something that got made three months ago. They're like, mm. "That's so funny." Because you know what they're to, like. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm. Neil, I was too nervous to like actually interact with him, so I kind of looked at the wall and <laughs> talked. That was so awkward. Like moments like, fuck me. Yeah. So no, I don't really know what it's like to look and talk to I'll tell to you. Neil I'll Young. tell you. Neil, Neil will look at you and he'll be like, are you, he'll be, every answer will be like, are you here with me right now? And then if you skew it ever so slightly to the left, Rick will go, <laughs> and just giggle and just think it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. You're basically cooking it up with two, of like two Gandalfs. For, for the price of one. It's insane. I like really envy. I'm going to have to go watch this conversation. It's really good. I, I, it I sounds amazing. It. it was really great. But I mean, Shangri-La is that place. I, people talk about almost through the lens of like arts, you know, paradise. Yeah, but real emotion comes out there. Deep, deep honesty gets elicited from within at Shangri-La. And... It just is what it is. Like, that's what happened to me. That was my experience. It might all just be like playing into some sort of illusion, but whatever illusion, mm. it really, it worked for me. And so I was in this burnt out chapel at Shangri-La and I was outside in the grass. And then this like nasty beat was playing. And then I just like started flexing because I'd spent so many months in just like mm. some of these songs that are deep, so fucking miserable deep misery <laughs> <laughs> so like, by I the way the album's a banger go get it it's out now <laughs> oh, and it's, it's can you imagine if you're still doing voiceovers if I was still the voiceover <laughs> king of the United Kingdom I'd just be amazing I'd be like gag order the new album from Kesha deeply miserable <laughs> and out now well that's I'm doing interviews sometimes. I'm I feel like like I'm in an alternative universe and it's very surreal. Yeah. Cuz I feel like also people are like shut up. Don't say that. But it is it's not like um the most bangery of albums, but there are bangers. There's bangers. There are bangers. But there are also sensitive, beautiful, intimate, gorgeous mindfuck songs. And this is one of those moments when you're like 
fuck that misery. I'm going in. Today's yeah. a day, and I'm gonna. And if I can be present enough to capture the sadness, I should be present enough to capture the goodness. Bingo! And that, to me, is also one of the keys to life: is address the sadness, but also address the. Is for as much time as I make to do therapy and be in my, in the fixing of self. Sure. I also. You what? I said sure. Oh, but then I try to take as much time to be. In the joy and celebration. So this song, I went in and I was like, okay, I just like really need a day to fucking flex and act like I'm a rapper, please. <laughs> and so my boys were like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and then we were just kind of playing around and mm. the song came out really fast. And I just got to say a bunch of things. It's almost like you're writing a song and you're in my position you don't really know it's going to come out of your mouth because you have so much shit in there yeah. that you haven't expressed. And a lot of which I can't. Well, that's how do you walk that? That's the fine line. I know that's that fine line. But it's like to be in a situation where you want to honor the creative process, which at its, at its very core centers for all aspiring artists who are growing and forming their sound and their voice. It really centers around one core principle, which is tell the truth. Right. Yeah. And you can't. And you've done a damn good job of telling your truth. But it must be hard. It must feel sometimes like, how do I honor the songs here? Well, it feels a lot like there's a plastic bag over my he my head and I'm suffocating and choking on my tongue. Yeah. Hence the album cover. Which, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe I'm seeing it wrong, so please correct me, but it looks like you're looking ever so slightly off camera. Um, For that picture, yeah, I am a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, it's super effective. It's super effective. I've Thank really you. zoomed in, and the closer you get to it, the more it looks like you're staring down the barrel. But when you step back, it's almost like one of those classic illusions from Renaissance art. You know, it's like, mm, no, she's just, just like 0.5% off axis. That's so funny that you caught that. Oh, yeah. I didn't think anyone was going to... Because we took a couple. That's so funny. This album is like... Um, it's, as, it's as close to the truth as anyone's ever got. In anything. <laughs> so it's not like you pull back. Trust me. It's not like there's unresolved moments here. It's your truth. And it's going to change over time. It always will. Everyone's does. And, you know, I think your life's journey and the way you, you're reflecting it through the art that you put on this lifetime to make focusing on the art because I know you're in another journey and that's I respect it's your journey mm. it's going exactly the way it should the art is going exactly the way it should and I believe that I do like I have to oh it is as a as someone who listens to your music and respects your artistic voice I think this album will save you just like the last one did and the next one will. <laughs> of course. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. You said it in the beginning. It's there to trace the journey. And I think you can only honor the songs in a way that they'll allow you to. And they're protecting you and everyone else as well. I mean, the music isn't just there to... Re it will never take you off the edge. If you think about all the greatest songs of all time that sound like someone's ripping their heart open or whatever, the song also knows where the line is. It knows where the fine line is. Well, I also think that I've realized in art that's where you can really go over the line because it's a safe place to go over the line. And Rick taught me that. Mm. Because I kept writing songs about trying to find balance and he was like, no. <laughs> the art is where you go off the fucking rails. This is punk rock Rick. From New York. I mean, I only know the Rick from like meditating together. Yeah, but the punk Chicago. rock Rick is still there. And when you get him out, have you, you must have had conversations with him where it's all just like full lotus position and then he'll just go, but I fucking hate that. He doesn't say bad words around, anymore around me. Maybe wow. it's just around me. He 
Did not curse. Maybe since he became a dad too. I don't know. I've, I've definitely been out to lunch and he's like, ah, fuck. You know, but, really? Yeah, I but, yeah. never cursed the whole time. But when I would curse. <laughs> and I'm like, wrestling Rick is here. <laughs> oh, my God. He does the wrestling. That's so funny. But, <laughs> he's about to jump off the top rope and stiff me over the salmon. <laughs> no, he is a guy. He's like the most punk rock zen. Dude ever. Dude ever. And like, yeah, it's been an honor. It's been like an honor. It's not a bean, by the way. I mean, you know, just keep going. I mean, no, we going. are still. It yeah. hasn't been, but it has been, but yeah. it will continue to be. Like That's beautiful. A beautiful. Um, I don't know. There's like probably some part of me that, like, I don't know who my dad is. So there was some really cool thing oh, about yeah. being around someone who was like male, strong paternal strong, energy, like you know, and feeling just like so emotionally protected that kind of actually had a physical response the left side of my body when i get like anxious or triggered or whatever yeah it um seizes up same really it's the bridge i got taught apparently it's the bridge that our bodies this is just from my experience yeah i got taught that the body stores trauma and stores the anxiety and the stress because we haven't developed an effective enough brain, a bridge to get it over to the other side of the brain where it should be stored internally and can be processed effectively. So the body kicks into protective mode, overprotective mode, and it stores it because we're not processing it. And that's why it starts to manifest physically. I used to get stiff arms, fingers. I mean, I'm getting a little bit of it now just because we're in a beautifully intense conversation yeah. and I can feel, the, you know, the, the, the experience has been traumatic for you. So I'm sort of probably having a bit of an empathetic reaction. So very, very minor. And it's like you can feel it and it's because the brain isn't processing the... What? That's what I got told. I like that. And that's why, like, reading about, like, all these different psychedelic things that can help, which I've not done... But it sounds really interesting to like rewire the neural pathways and all of that. Sounds really interesting because Lord knows I've tried all the other kinds of fucking therapy. But... <laughs> oh, but with working with Rick, I found that the left side of my body stopped um, hurting. It, it's just, it was always in this def uh, self protective defense tension. And then over the course of the past couple of years it's it's really settled i still have moments of it but it's not um constantly yeah and you know it's probably a between trusting myself trusting him and the whole process of making this album my body has physically reacted to it in a really interesting weird beautiful way yeah because you were probably storing it and it's oh, like God, now yeah. it's out and it's like, okay. But now it's out for everybody to listen to, which is also kind of fucking psychotic that you would put out all this trauma into something and then play it to the whole world. It's Tom, kind of insane. Tom York doesn't think so. And if Tom York doesn't think so, I'm fine with it. You okay, know? Fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fine. This is the guy when I told him that Dawn Chorus on his last solo album made me pull over, nearly pull over, and because I, I, I burst into uncontrollable tears behind the wheel of the car, and he leant across the table and went, wicked, and I fired <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is like... I, I mean, And I, I said to him, what about that. you? Yeah, I said, what about you? And he's like, same. He goes, I get this. Still? I'm, after yeah. making it and listening to it and everything? Same. same. Wow. And he said, that's the fucking point. Mm. When I hear stories like that, it makes me feel better. Because That's what I told you. You're not alone in this. No, it just feels quite deranged. Of course. <laughs> it's just really deranged, but I'm here for it. Like, I like I like the deranged part of life. But a couple of songs on this album made some grown straight men cry. So I always think when you get a grown, rich, white, straight man crying, you're doing something really right. Do you disagree? <laughs> I mean. No, I don't disagree at all. I think when you get to that level where those four or five attributes go neatly in a row, you, you're, probably, you're probably searching for other things than... <laughs> 
why. Just an, an, an emotional, an emotional <laughs> vacuum, you know. <laughs> By all means, remind them they're human. <laughs> kind of. There was like a moment of uh, feeling pretty good about myself for that. <laughs> Revenge takes all kinds of forms. <laughs> Oh man! I give them a heart. That's how I fuck with them. It's always great. It's always great. I mean, you know this. You don't need me to spell this out. I mean, I respected the pop music, but I didn't understand the human that made those first albums. I was somewhere else doing something else. I was living in my world, playing other shit, and you were out here playing your shit. And we weren't on a collision course by any stretch of the imagination, right? You were living an incredible pop star life, going and changing shit. It was like Mad Max meets the charts. And I was over here fucking, I don't know, probably fucking interviewing Deftones, you know? But somehow our paths have crossed, right? And I'm so glad that they do every time. Like, it's like, you're such a fucking great, brave artist. So I just, you. you know, I just I just hope this album finds you in better form for the next one. And, and by better form, I don't necessarily mean like, yay, happy, just wherever you need to be. Honestly, I don't... I don't think if the music is... I don't know. We'll see what happens. If the I music's honest, it'll, it's, it, it will be what, what it will be. I think that's like... It's like writing a book, and this is the chapter. Oh, God, listen to us. We're just like fucking Rick Rubin, oh. the bad Broadway play. <laughs> I mean, we're literally just... I mean, this is just terrible, isn't it? I mean, there's a great White Stripes song just, called I'm Slowly Turning Into You, and that is us. <laughs> right turning now. into Rick? I turning hope Turning into so. Rick. Oh, God. Well, I can, like, do something. I don't know. I was just going to offer... I can, like, baby bird you a beer before I go if we want to feel alive again. <laughs> But thanks for listening to the conversation with Kesha on the interview series. Back again next week, catching up once again with one of my all-time favorite people and artists, Ben Harper. <laughs>